Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. Well, what a couple of nights it's been. Uh, Fulham now three on the trot, beating Southampton on New Year's Eve and then Leicester City on uh, the 4th of January. Here to discuss it all, we have Elton. How are we? I'm very well, thanks. Happy New Year, everyone. And um, my New Year's got off to a pretty good start. And Sammy, how are we going? Sam doesn't sleep anymore, but he's going good. He's he's in it. Well, Sam definitely drinks through uh, through Fulham games. I know that much off the uh, Southampton game. But let, let's get straight into it, guys. Obviously, a bit of a packed schedule at the moment. So the last time we caught up was after the Boxing Day game. And then um, very weird timing, this uh, Fulham-Southampton game on New Year's Eve for, for us over in Perth, at least. Um, Dad, walk us through how your New Year's Eve actually went. What football wise, or just yeah, kind of the fact that the game here kicked off at eleven p.m. and um, you know celebrated New Year's at half time during the break and then straight back into it. Yeah, well, the uh, the tribe I was with packed it in at eleven o'clock, um, which was um, somewhat underwhelming, but actually somewhat convenient uh, <laughs> because I would have looked like a massive knob. Um, Ignoring everyone. <laughs> um, which probably would have happened anyway. But uh, yeah, so uh, I snuck off uh, to my bedroom. Um, I, I was away for the weekend, obviously, and uh, snuck off to my bedroom and uh, put my headphones on. And uh, your mother took a picture of me at midnight with my headphones on, uh, having a great New Year's Eve. <laughs> I saw that picture. That was fantastic. Mine was uh, fairly similar with a very heavily pregnant wife and a two and a half year old both in bed by about nine thirty. So celebrated it by myself with with a Fulham victory. And Sammy, we we saw a few little uh, Snapchats of you. Or was it um, Instagram stories? How was your New Year's? Yeah, I, I I had a debaucherous one. I was I was at, I was at a WrestleMania themed uh, house party, and at one point I um, was. Uh, I I, jo- I joined a band for a brief fifteen minutes, and I was singing songs that Chat V um, Chat GBT wrote for me about Vikings. And then I came home, and I was still it was about four a.m. So then I was watching the game, um, and I did have to do a do a second watch. But I mean, I saw Jow score, so you can you can only imagine how happy Sam was at that period of my life. About as happy as we were, I reckon. Uh, so look, let's get into the game. Um, you know, Southampton sitting bottom. Uh, Dad, your thoughts on their performance? I, I know we were talking through the game. We kind of started our own side chat away from Sam because we knew quite how drunk he was. Um, your Rude. thoughts on Southampton? They they looked, to me, I, I totally understand why they're bottom of the Premier League at the moment. Yeah, um, I think this may have been a topic of conversation between... Um, at least two of us, maybe three of us, but there's definitely a sense now developing of the gap between us and some of the rest. And if they're the bottom, then wow, um, they, they looked a rabble. And it is a difficult night because of t- tough weather conditions, and which doesn't suit the Fulham style of beautiful put- football and precision passing. But still, they they looked awful. Absolutely awful. And um, uh, if anything, the difficult weather conditions um, may have made it easier for them to get into the game and just make it an unpleasant, scrappy encounter and spoil us. But, yeah, they never looked they never looked the problem, really. Sammy, I'm not even sure if I should throw to you or not, but what were your thoughts in sort of that opening half hour or so? Uh, you can you can talk to me because I have watched the highlights, okay, so good. I can I can <laughs> I can contribute to this conversation. Good, good, good. Um, now, nah, so look, um, it in my mind it would have been the most Fulhamish thing, no pun intended, for us to lose to the bottom uh, ranked team, and they just have like a blinder. But um, Fulham is defying all expectations at this stage, and uh, yeah, like. James Ward-Prowse, I think he's a really excellent player. But yeah, aside from that, um, 
I, I don't even think I could name a single member of the Southampton squad because they were just so unmemorable, really just scrappy, just just not not interesting, not really that much creativity. I don't think Fulham played amazing. I, I will just say that. Um, but I think it speaks volumes when you can essentially uh, play a not very great game by our standards and still come away with the 2-1. Yeah, I think that's a fair point about the Southampton team. I mean, not not to put the boot in too hard on Southampton, but looking at their lineup, apart from James Ward-Prowse, it, is, it, it screams a championship team. Mm. Um, you know, there's a handful of players. Elgin Nusi's handy. Uh, Maitland-Niles and Kyle Walker-Peters are both, you know, semi-decent players. Even a Bella Kotchap went away with Germany to the World Cup, but really they they, they never really looked overly threatening. And um, apart from James Ward-Prowse, it's, it's, it's a pretty weak lineup, I, I thought, personally. They're quite um, a young side, aren't they, as well? Fairly, yeah. I, I thought their their keeper was atrocious. Uh, mm. Bazuna, he's Irish. Um, but look, let's let's talk about the goals. Let's talk about the first goal uh, corner taken by Willian, and I think we all know now that Pereira is the set piece taker. I never understand how Pereira is always left unmarked when he's not taking a corner. <laughs> it's yeah. so obvious what's going to happen. Willian goes over and takes a corner. Pereira's on the edge of the box it's 100% certainty where the ball is going. It goes to Pereira, which it's done multiple times this year. He hits it on the volley fairly well and takes a big deflection. Dad, your your thoughts on the fact that we're actually scoring goals from set pieces? And actually creating so many corners. Mm. Uh, yeah, terrific. Uh, it's obviously a sea change. Something has been really disappointing to not have in our game. And we, we've got a couple of decent corner takers as well. Yeah, I mean, if Kenny's, even if Kenny's on the ground, I'd rate him to put in a decent corner. Pereira has been terrific. Um, I, I loved his you know, side sidebar, but I loved his whole effort in that Southampton mm. game. I thought he worked so hard. And what I like about him, he's not a glory hunter. He's actually a really hard worker. And he loves actually just chasing, chasing and harrying, apart from all the sort of dead ball stuff that we're focusing on here that he does so, so well. But, yeah, I mean, um, look, when you fire a ball, he did hit it very, very well. I think you're underrating how well he hit that because it sort of came into that busy area um, at some pace and he put your foot into it. I mean, Ward Prowse had to do something. The ball was coming to him. He couldn't let it go through to the keeper um you had to do something and it you know if you hit it hard enough then uh you always stand a chance of pulling something like that off so great well done Fulham. yeah i think you I, I remember from when i was playing back in the day and coaches saying you know take a shot when there's a lot of bodies in the box the the worst thing in the world sometimes, uh, no, rather the best thing in the world sometimes is to just take a shot and see what happens. And I think from that distance, if you take a shot through a sea of bodies, the keeper can get, you know, blinded by someone standing in front of them. The ball can take a couple of little deflections. The ball goes in. Obviously, the strike was off target, which is why Ward Prowse is awarded with the own goal. Sammy, do you think Ward Prowse should have done better there to get out of the way or is there no chance? I mean, honestly, I I kind of get annoyed in these kind of situations when an own goal gets awarded um, off of such a ridiculous strike and then essentially, yeah, because it's a pretty raucous ricochet that leads to that. But it's 100% Andreas's goal. Like, you saw the way he was celebrating. Like, he, even if he didn't mean to do it in that exact way, he meant to create something and he totally created something. So... Like, but it, but it's a forced error, and that's why it is our goal. Oh, no, I get because, it. I get it. Yeah, you, you, you're creating something out of potentially nothing, right? Well, mm. the, the ruling for an own goal is if the ball is not on target and then it gets deflected in, it's an own goal. If Pereira's shot was sneaking inside the post, or they could at least argue that it was sneaking inside the post, then it would be his goal, even, even with the deflection that took it into the other post. Um, the the fact is he he hit the ball. It was going wide, maybe only by a yard or two, but still going wide. 
uh, and therefore it has to be given as an own goal. I think it it is a little unfair because he's obviously striking it at goal. So you sh- you could say that his intention was to score a goal and it's just taken a deflection. But by by the 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 rules, that counts as an own goal. Look, I am not a technical man. Some people are pundits. I am a fundit. And that was that was Andreas's goal because I liked watching it. I've got a little tip for Marco and Boa that we we need to create a, a regular training ground exercise of actually smashing everyone in the team, smash practicing smashing the ball into the box at the keeper on the volley. We're terrible at it. I mean, guys that aren't exactly defenders, like Reed, awful Tete. What, what do you mean, sorry? Oh, just when we try to, you know, smash the ball into the area, we're, we're really anywhere near target. Jazz yeah. pretty good at it. Jazz, Jazz got some. I, I feel that like Jazz had a couple of decent teams at a volley. I just feel that on, on average, if I look back at the last, you know, 12, 12 months even, when we smash the ball um, opportunistically at the goal, it's never close to even catching a body for a I think it's, it's not really um, part of our game plan. I would have thought our game plan is more controlling the ball and not taking those long shots and actually, you know, working the ball around the wings again to then, you know, set it up for Mitro to get a header on or get little flick-ons and things like that. So it's probably uh, a directive from Marco saying, don't take long shots unless it's a, an obvious opportunity um, and actually try and focus on getting the ball into the box. But I, I agree. I think you look at someone like Tielemans, who we'll talk about when we cover the Leicester game and how many efforts he takes from range. Oh, yeah. We're not a range-shooting team, and I don't think we have been for the last five or six years maybe. Score yeah. a handful of them, but we're not one of those teams. Also, all of Mitrovic's goals are from, like, right in the box. Like, yeah. Like, so that, that's, that's our strength, play. I guess. So yeah. that's... Uh, but- I understand no, why I'm, we I'm not I'm not talking box. about long range. I'm talking about edge of the box. Whereas if if you've got an opportunity and they're standing off you, I think you should be smashing it from there. Um, you know, what what would be the point of um you know, tossing on the edge of the box, trying to run the ball in and beat and go around yeah, a few players when there's six six defenders in front of him, you just smash it. And well, I, I, I think, think I think they're sticking to a plan. Mm. Mm. I, I think they're being told to try and work the ball into the box rather than take opportunistic shots and be talking XG and stats wise here, get better opportunities on goal by doing that rather than taking long shots, which give you 0.05 XG, at least get the ball to Mitro's head, which gets you 0.2 XG and actually looking at it a little bit more statistically and, and saying we've got a better opportunity of scoring if we knock it out wide and get a good cross in. What is I'm saying, Marco, get on the line, clear this up. What was I'm, that, Sammy? As in, as in, call in, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll discuss this. <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm just saying our podcast has come so far because it almost sounds like we know what we're talking about in a in a nice little succinct <laughs> way. We're talking don't about say XG. we. It's, it's just me. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. No, I'll pay that. I'll pay that. <laughs> so look, that I'm was <laughs> that was the first goal. We went into halftime. Uh, we were completely dominating. I think we had about 70% possession at halftime. Southampton just didn't look like getting a foothold on the game. I can't remember them creating any real good chances. Um, Leno did have another good game. Uh, he's been outstanding. And the fact that we signed him for uh, £3 million or something ridiculous like that, oh, ridiculous. It, just just ridiculous. And you do, I know we, we complained a lot pre-season about how long it took Tony Khan to get some of these transfers over the line. But now we look at it, we look at Leno for three mil, we look at Pereira for eight, Polina for 20. William. Willian for free. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, these these guys we've signed, and uh, I'm okay that it took an extra couple of weeks to get them over the line based on how well they're performing. And you just have to look at Leno, who's been probably man of the match across the last, Oh, but maybe 10 games, if if not more. He's kept us in a lot of games and won us a lot of points now. Um, for Picking him up for $3 million is an absolute steal, and you have to take your hat off to, to Tony Khan for that. Oh, completely. I mean, like, this whole transfer window and, like, 
what I think might be coming because um, we're looking at some pretty like top tier names out. It's it's really kind of evident that um, Tony is um, sorry, my dog was just trying to pull out my cord. Um, like Tony's really in a bit of a different phase of um, signing players now. He's not just trying to go for like sheer quantity. He's actually thinking smart and he's thinking effective. And oh my god, is it really pulling off? And I I've, I've been very critical over Tony these past couple of years, but um, I have to I have to admit when I'm wrong. He's he's I think he's doing a very awesome job. And if the signings that we're looking at this January come off, I I think we're looking at a very very serious position that we could be but in. It's it's more complex than that. Well, not complex. It's there's more to it than that. Marcus Silver, fantastic signings, great identification of players, great signings, you know, dollars-wise. But Silver's delivery of the plan is now creating a massive opportunity for Tony to do even better business. Oh, totally, totally. And he's, in, he's because, put Because surely, you know, we're, what, what are we, seventh? Looking like a solid mid-table club now. That's a destination that people who want to get into the Premier League would be very very happy to arrive at i mean it's an even even bigger overall conversation which is almost a separate podcast in itself where we look at how it's evolved over time and uh, he's definitely you know we've made a lot of mistakes over the last well since he took over which is what maybe seven seven years now not sure how long it is exactly but um the way the transfer policy has changed and the way he's obviously worked with management as well and what we found now is a good balance where he's picking up players who Marco Silva actually wants. We're making sure we're not spending ridiculous amounts on them. We're protecting ourselves against relegation and what happens when, you know, if if we did get relegated this season, for example, the fact that we can offload players cheaply and we're not over overstretching ourselves. But obviously that's that's not happening now. So let, let, let's get back to the Southampton game anyway. We um, went into halftime 1-0 up, feeling very confident, but obviously, as always with Fulham, knowing we need another goal. Unfortunately, it didn't come at that time. James Ward-Prowse uh, with, a, I mean, you have to take your hat off to him. It was a very good free kick. A really silly foul to give away from Bobby Deckard over Reed. Um, you know, managers are furious when things like that happen where you don't need to commit the foul. It's in a dangerous position. And you know that they've got someone like James Ward-Prowse in the team who is a superb free-kick taker. I think I saw he's only like two or three free-kicks away from uh, overtaking David Beckham for the most free-kicks in the Premier League score. Yeah, I've heard that um, statistic as well. Which is, which is ridiculous. And, you know, there were talks of him should, should have been in the England team purely based on his free-kick ability because you get him in an area and... Uh, he scores goals and puts in very good balls into the box as well. Um, Sammy, Leno's wall, the setup of the wall, what were your thoughts? Okay. Okay. I, I'm i aware of this conversation. I'm aware that we could maybe criticise Bert Leno in this situation. I understand that. But I'm actually going to go about it from a very different mindset of I think James Ward-Prowse just struck it very, very well. And um, we can I feel that we can debate about uh, if he was in the right position or not. You're a former goalkeeper, so I feel like you're a much better person to speak about this. But I just think James Ward-Prowse is very, very good at what he does. I agree. Dad, I'll let you have a crack at it before I shut you all down. Where is this sass coming um, from? I, I thought you were going to come out and say... Um, you're going to approach this from a very different angle, from a perspective of pure love for for Burnt Leno, Sam. Nothing else. I, I could so do as that. Well, yeah. um, I could do that. It pretty much was that. But um, look, if if you consider where Leno was standing just before he took the shot, look. If you consider where Leno was standing just before he took the shot, it didn't see. It certainly wasn't in the middle of the goal. Not that he has to be, but relative to the wall. It looked like he was, I'm going to say, one step too far. Then he picks the right way. He goes for it. He actually gets a decent hand to it, but doesn't manage to to, to parry it away. But it, that tells me that 
he wasn't in the right position. He he picked it beautifully executed, no doubt about it. Um, but he can't have been in the right position. And we're being very technical and very critical, but we're not having a go at him. Just saying, I think there was a slight mistake there in positioning. Yeah, guys, you stand in the right position, you know. <laughs> so yeah, look, as a former goalkeeper myself, um, of Premier League standard, not quite. Um, it did look, he, he was a little bit, for me at least, he was too far over to the right hand, his right-hand side of the goal. Uh, I thought he, it was an interesting way he set up the wall. He set up the wall in line with the post and then had Harrison Reed running at the ball from the outside, um, which I've not really seen before. I think he was, yeah, probably half a step too far across. Uh, I think his wall could have been a little bit further outside his post just to protect it. I think it actually goes over Mitro's head, and I think Mitro could have put in a little more of a jump. Because um, uh, if if you see, he does get a hand to it. It's just not enough of a hand because he's a little far across and he probably doesn't quite react quick enough. Um, tough position because it is pretty much in the centre of the goal there, but I'd have actually um, positioned the wall on the other side and made him almost outthink him and make him try and curl the ball uh, into the side netting of the goal, which gives him a chance of curling it wide of the goal. I think, I think you know, it's tough because, like Sam said, really good free kick. I think Leno could have potentially set it up a bit better and, and possibly should have saved that one, though. Um, but, you know, uh, it's one half of one, half of the other. Hard to say, really. So, look, at that point... Um, we, we made a couple of changes not long after that, looking for the win, quite obviously, because they were quite attacking changes. Decadover Reed came off. Dan James came on. Uh, Tom Kenny came on for Harrison Reed. Dad, I'll let you go. Dan James, your thoughts. He played probably one of the worst <laughs> half hours of football I've ever seen. Yeah, it's a good night from me. Um, honestly, I think um, for me, I get, I get, what we are trying to achieve with Dan James, he's a one-trick pony. His skill level and touch is awful, and it was at its lowest point for me against Southampton in that second half. Um, his decision-making is poor. He he doesn't release the ball. He hangs on to it too long. His touch is poor. Um, I don't even I, – I, I think everyone was thinking it was a confidence thing. Now I think it's actually his championship material for me. Sammy, your favourite player? He's not my favourite player, but I am. Yes, I, am just, I am just laughing. I'm just laughing. <laughs> I'm just laughing at that. Look, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying it's like um completely wrong. He is. He is very much a one trick pony. Um, but yeah, I, I feel. I feel he's not really. I, I mean, like he's he played an awful game. Like sometimes, like you're not your favorite player, just plays an awful game, and it's very, very easy to get like the pitchforks out. Dan James still has stuff to offer. He, um, I'm, I'm not starting him anytime soon. But off the bench, if you consider it from a depth point of view, he does have value. Um, and it, look, he's he is he is an international. Like there's there's no two ways about it. He is an international. He has quality. Um. Uh, again, I'm I wouldn't I probably wouldn't call him championship material. I feel like he has a lot more to offer than that. Um, but it would probably come down to just us not really fully using him right. I think I I don't really think that he's found. Um, I I don't really think he's found a way to gel in this team just yet. But I mean, I I will say it's probably valid that um, uh. Yeah, because uh, Dan James has had the same criticism for the majority of his career. But I have seen him pull off some pretty spectacular goals. And yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not fully ready to write him off yet. Jack, I would I would love to hear your analytical, well thought out opinion. There's no analytics here. I think he is uh, a useful asset. I don't think he's that good, but similar to when we had AK forty seven in the team, I love being able to bring someone on towards the end of the game to just create chaos. And sometimes his poor touch does create a little bit of chaos because mm. he's quick enough to 
you know, have a poor touch, the ball gets away from him, a centre mid comes out wide to try and get the ball, but he gets there first and nips the ball away and creates a bit of space because he's shit. Like, <laughs> and and look, Dan James is and That's why you love Dan James. That's Dan what James he does. Is, he's obviously not shit because he's a Premier League footballer. Even if he was a championship footballer, he's not shit. He's still good enough to, to play at a very, very high level. And, you know, he won us the penalty, which we'll talk about in a bit. But I I still think there's there's a benefit to having him in the team. Is he creating chances for us and scoring goals? No. But I, I still think having him there creates an opportunity. And it's good to have someone off the bench who can do that. There's a bit of chatter around about him potentially having his loan terminated. Marco Silva came out after the Leicester game and said that's not happening. And that's unlikely. There's been no conversation about that. Leeds haven't asked for him to come back. Fulham don't want to get rid of him at the moment. So I don't think that's going to go ahead. Um, I, I still think there's a place for him in the squad. There's not a place for him in the starting 11. And I don't think he's going to be challenging that anytime soon. Yeah, agree. So kind of felt a little bit Fulhamish from that point on. We were pushing, but never really getting anything there. Leno made a couple of good saves as well. Get a corner in the 88th minute. Um Swung in Kenny Tete at the near post with a little flick on header backwards, and that man Jaupalinia at the back post to nod the ball in for victory, climbing over the top of the defender. Sammy, take us home. Oh, I mean, I, I, okay. Well, what haven't I said about Jaupalinia? What haven't I said? Um, I've said I've said I would name my firstborn child after him. Um, do you know what? I'm just going to come from a very earnest like perspective. He's just brilliant. And like, I'm, I can't think of too many Fulham players that we've had that I would just say is just brilliant from end to end. Everybody knows I love him. I feel that everybody does love him. I can't, I get they like, aside from him being chaotic, there's very few faults that I, I have with him at all. Um, He's, he's just, he's just my favorite person to like bring it home. And again, I love how he always just celebrates with um, like the, the boys in the stand. I just think that's really nice. Like uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if he just gets super hyped or if he just loves being at Fulham or like a little bit of both, but oh, just what a guy. I just love him. And it's, it's, that is a set piece as well. I feel like that is very much a set piece aside from the chaotic back header that Kenny Tede did. But like oh, I do possibly, feel like possibly. I'm not yeah. not a hundred percent convinced of that. I think it might have been a slightly missing corner and Tete very cleverly actually decided to give it the backwards header there. Um rather than a lot of the time you'll see players actually trying to glance at one at goal. And I think he's done the right thing there and the unselfish thing by just setting it up to someone else in the box. Dad, your thoughts on the goal? I think it's very indicative of what we've come to love about uh, Jao Polinia. He, he's he's very opportunistic. He seizes the moment. He actually, he, his mind works very quickly, um, both in just reading the game and spotting an opportunity, or not an opportunity, but a threat, and then diving in very quickly, sometimes too much, but uh, getting to the ball very quickly to make that important tackle. And it was a real poach. Um, not not that I don't, I don't think that was a. So you can't you can't plan those kinds of set pieces. That was just a really clever bit of thinking from Kenny Tete in the moment, and Sharpalini was a in the right position and two very very quickly onto it. It's a good header, headed it down or in a downward direction. Really great goal. And I think what we love about him is his passion when he celebrates. He, he he loves being at Fulham. He loves the opportunity. You can see that, and I think, I think he really feels very central, as he indeed he is, really central to the whole thing happening at Fulham, and I it it, it really lifts his whole game every week. I think. Like Mitrovic has scored a lot of goals, but for me, like he is the poster boy of everything that this season is about. Just like redemption passion like tenacity I, I, lo I love him i love him I, i'd say mitro is still the poster boy purely because um everyone wrote us off at the start of the season and said 
Fulham can't do it again, they'll go back down and Mitro can't do it in the Premier League. And on both fronts, we're completely proving people wrong, which is which is why I think Mitro is opposed to... I think Polina is a signing of the season by miles, but um, everything's just clicking at the moment, which is just perfect. And I, I hope you guys all saw that photo of the Polina celebration and the little kid in the front row... Oh, I did. Eve, just I did. loving life and Polina running straight towards him celebrating. It was one of the best pictures. Um, and yeah, I mean, Polina was deservedly voted man of the match, seven tackles for the game, uh, the important goal, 77% pass completion rate. Um, he, he got 50% of the vote uh, across 13,000 votes. So comfortably man of the match. <laughs> Um, so look, that was a really good way to um, to end the year, I guess, as it's New Year's Eve. Um, so that meant after Christmas we had a three 0 win against Palace, a two one win against Southampton, five goals scored, one conceded in those two games. What we'll do now, we'll take a little break. We'll come back and we'll talk about the Leicester game and talk about how Fulham made it three on the trot. Right, so guys, let's talk about this Leicester game. Fulham obviously coming off the back there of two games uh, in a row, one. I don't think Fulham had won a game, won three games in a row in the Premier League for something silly like 15 years. I think since the early to mid-2000s when we first got promoted into the Premier League. Um, so especially the fact that two of these games were away from home, it makes the result even more impressive. Uh, let's talk about the lineup first last night. Um, Tosin coming in for Diop. Sammy, your thoughts on that change? Because Diop has been super, super impressive recently. Yeah, I didn't get it. Is it was that like an injury thing? Was that just uh, because we've got Chelsea coming up? Is like, is it, I don't, I don't, I don't a, get a that. Total at all. Ta- tactical change. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, me and Dad discussed it earlier. Dad, I'll throw it to you. Your thoughts on the change? Well, uh, I'll let you bring in your thought because it was your idea as to why there might have been a tactical. Um, move there but what I would say is that I I thought it worked really really well Diop has been great and we've got that beautiful tension for that centre back position between um, Diop and and Tosin happening which is just great news for us because we you know we, we were we were in a tricky situation at the beginning of the season. I don't think anyone really was that comfortable that we had it sorted. And then we had some injuries on the on the left and right back position, which destabilized things again. The, you know, the one the one backbone and, you know, uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Um sort of constant core stability. Core stability has been Tim Ream. Um it's a terrible turn of phrase, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Um but I, I actually thought that Tosin had a really good game. I thought his energy levels were good. I thought he looked sharp. He made good decisions, or he didn't make some of the bad decisions that I often roast him for. I thought he was really, really good. Um, you know, there was there was one standout switch pass that he did off his left foot, which I think released William on the right. Was it? Mm, yeah. Um, Absolutely sublime, like really top shelf. Um, and I know I, I, I thought um, I, I wasn't concerned when I saw the, the lineup change. Um, I thought I didn't know really think about exactly what Silver was thinking of, but I thought yeah, I was happy with that. I wasn't anxious at all. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, go on, Sammy. Well, I, I, I was just going to say, like, I, re- I really like Tosin, so I was, I was pleasantly surprised to see him and yeah as we've uh, just discussed I think competition in the side for a position is great and really really healthy and like Tosin's a young player so like he will definitely have more time and like it's just good experience for him to essentially play better but yeah just overall I was just kind of like well be up and done anything wrong here so I'm not mad but I'm not like I don't fully understand what's going on but yeah I was I wasn't mad to see him yeah, I'm, I'm going to latch on to your comment there, Dad, where um, you basically said seeing Tosin in the side, didn't you weren't worried about it, which is 
a great position to be in. And as you said, at the start of the season, we were fretting. A, well, firstly, because we didn't think Tim Ream was going to be good enough for the Premier League, which he's completely proved us ah. wrong. Secondly, we only had Tosin as the other centre-back. And we 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 like Tosin, but he does have the ability to um, disappoint fairly regularly. Um, and then we, we obviously hadn't signed Diop. And then we did sign Diop. He played terribly in that Carabao Cup game. And we thought we'd signed a complete dud. And West Ham were telling us how crap he is. And now we're at the point where... If any of those three centre-backs start for us, we feel pretty comfortable, which is a great position to be in. And I think across the board, you know, they're in multiple positions, the only positions where we wouldn't be happy with the replacement is probably Vinicius for Mitro um, and whoever replaces Harrison Reed or Jaapolina in a defensive midfield position and oh, no. at left and right back, which I think... The common consensus is that in the trans- this transfer window, we need to sign a left slash right back, a centre mid, and a backup striker because they're the only three positions where we're not comfortable. On the wings, in centre back, and in goal, uh, we're we're very comfortable with our backup options, which is a really good position to be in, where you can look at the bench and go, "Yeah, I'm happy with the people coming off here," or you can rotate your team and go, "Yeah, I'm pretty comfortable with with what we've got here," and I I don't feel oh, shit, we're having to play Tosin and we're having to play Wilson. This isn't going to go well. We're actually comfortable with our squad, which is is great for squad depth because we haven't had that properly in the Premier League for oh, 15 years probably, if not longer. Yeah. yeah. And in terms of lineup, sorry, Jack, to you just go back? No, no, go ahead. Um, in terms of lineup, another um, very, um, well, not not exciting, but good to see. Mm. Uh, um, was Kazawa and Solomon on the bench? Yeah, and and Silver oh. said before the game that they were both able to play. I don't. This obviously wasn't the right game for either of them to come on and play. I think defensively, it made more sense to bring Diop on than to bring Kazawa on. Um, and it wasn't the right game to introduce someone like Solomon to come in and. And try and score a goal, or because we just didn't need that. We needed to shore up everything, which kind of made sense. So, but it, it, like you said, it's great to see them on the bench, and and hopefully we'll see them uh, when they play when we play Hull this weekend in the FA Cup. I would have thought that's going to be a really good opportunity to give a few guys a run out, especially someone like Solomon. Um, and because Mitro suspended as well for the Chelsea game, uh, I wouldn't be that surprised if we saw Solomon and Mitro both play to just sort of see if they can strike up a bit of a partnership because Mitro is going to get a break after that anyway. So mm-hmm. anyway, in into the Leicester game, uh, I don't know what you guys thought, but the first 15 minutes and probably the, the majority of the first half was probably the best football I've seen Fulham play in years. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's just a joy watching this Fulham team play at the moment. Uh, we create chances. We pass the ball around beautifully. We defend really solidly. We look comfortable on the ball. Um, Dad, you've obviously managed to watch the whole game, unlike Sammy. <laughs> Give us your thoughts on on the opening half. Your energy, this podcast, is hilarious. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Um, and 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 one thing I'd add to that is how quickly, quickly and uh, dangerously we transition when mm. we pass the ball around at the back, and then. You know, and we do that so well, uh, particularly at home, but now on the road as well. And we really have the confidence to switch play and and move forward really, really quickly. That's a massive feature, and it's it is a joy to watch. It really is attractive football. Um, but there's a confidence, isn't there, right around uh, across the board? Everyone, it's not just everyone's up for it and got a zip in their step and want to have a go and blazing shots over the bar. People are moving the ball forward, you know, with intent and everyone backs them up. Um, you know, even um, Bobby, Bobby Reed had a pretty quiet game, but there was a lovely little ball he played through. I can't remember who he released, but it was actually a really good quality little through ball. He played deep on the right forward pocket um which is not a football term at all but um yeah, down under run with us. we can we can talk about the forward pocket 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I thought that was a really, really good first half, not to jump into the second yet, but I, I thought we were really good. Probably deserved more than one goal, but mm. for, for our dominance. But uh, I think as a comment you made, Jack, uh, after the game, that we we still didn't really create enough chances, not commensurate with the the um, the level of dominance we had in the first half. Well, not not quite chances. I think we created chances, but we we weren't hitting the, the target. Yeah. yeah, which was slightly disappointing because when you when you dominate and play that well, you do need to be hitting the target and actually you don't have to be scoring goals constantly, but you have to be hitting the target and at least testing the keeper and the goals will come from that because we, we have good enough attacking players to take shots and score goals. Um, we, we really, I, I mean, we obviously walk away with a win here, but I feel like we should be uh, making the most of our dominance because against team, we've seen it against teams like Man United, Man City, where, we we play well, but we're not scoring enough goals, and they come back and and beat us because we're not Aggressive sort of enough. being more cut being more cutthroat is probably the, what I'm looking for. But the seventeenth minute, we do open the scoring. Sammy, do you want to walk us through the goal? Oh, beautiful, beautiful counter attack. Um, I can't remember because um, I believe it's Reed who essentially adds the pressure, or is it um, Pereira? But essentially, like they force a turnover. And just like a really like um, quick, succinct, like snap into like action. Then um, beautiful, beautiful cross from like Willian when <laughs> Mitrovic is just in so much space. He is completely unmarked. I thought, um, uh, I look, it would be very easy to like rag on Leicester, but I'm not going to do that. But I, I did think their defense was not very strong. I think they tightened up a little bit in um, the second half, but yeah, first half, I, I, I don't, I don't think they looked particularly good at all. Um, their goalkeeper, who I, I cannot for the life of me remember the name of Danny Ward. Yeah, re- really, really, really poor attempt to like save that at all i'm not sure if you saw like the replay of it but beautiful volley um beautifully set up by william william is a joy to watch he's just just got that phenomenal like older states person but just brilliant quality about him which i really really love um i do want to say on that point though uh i i want to sign telemans because i thought um, Leicester had a lot of faults across the park, but one thing that I can say with absolute confidence is Yuri Tielemans is head and he is carry he carried that team on his back um, last night. Sorry, this morning, and um, oh, yeah, we're, we're never signing Tielemans, Sam. I want to sign Tielemans. <laughs> isn't it like, isn't his contract up at the end of the season though? Never coming to Fulham as oh, much as I'd love it, mate. We're going to the championship. We're going to Champions League. Champions League. Champions um, League. Dad, your thoughts? Harrison Reed obviously wins a ball, passes it off to Willian. Willian with a beautiful ball in. Your thoughts on the goal? Oh, uh, yeah. Look, uh, deserving. Um, what I was actually going to touch on, if I may, is that w- w- one of the really noteworthy features of a this first half, and definitely something that's been happening percolating and now really a, a solid feature of our game is how quickly we knock the ball around and switch the ball and square the ball. And the number of times we, we would be knocking the ball around in triangles on the wing and then actually square it into the middle, with Mitro involved, a number of players, knocking it into the path mm. of Pereira, who then carries the ball forward, breaking forward. Like we we looked really dangerous in the middle of the park, um, and um, that that was a slightly different um, setup for that goal, where Harrison Harrison really laid the ball off really well, spotted the William run. Um, look, I uh, I really enjoy William in this team. Um, if you think about how he's playing now from when he first started. He looked a little bit heavy-legged when he first started, and it was obviously skillful, but he didn't look sharp. Mm. <clears throat> and for a man of his age, 
his fitness looks pretty damn good to me and he looks as sharp as anything and his combination with Robinson and Pereira and the whole midfield is is a real joy to watch can I can I talk about one thing before Jack um comes in with something more intelligent you can yeah thank you uh, um I I just love the fact that um carrying on from what you said dad everybody in this Fulham side knows exactly what their role is and then so there is just such a succinct trust uh, on the pitch of what everybody does and what everybody can achieve and so like like William isn't like the fastest anymore but he's got Robinson with him and then you have trust from Reem at the back you've got Palina who's essentially being like your guard dog and like it's there is so much kind of like cohesion going on because I I, I refuse to believe that like um, uh, even teams like Southampton, every single one of those players has more talent than we will ever have. Um, like, there's no such thing as like a bad quality Premier League player. They're all brilliant. Except Dan but, James. Oh, stop it. Um, he's faster than any of us will ever be in our entire lives. Um, but like there's just such a wonderful cohesion and like just a really nice trust among all the players and like it it just really really shows it was so evident like um during the highlights that i watched um but yeah it was anyway jack you you, you tying up that point you're right sam but i think it's even more than that if you look at the number of um fake runs they're not fake runs but they're decoy runs that robinson Mm. makes absolute effort Oh. He, he makes those runs. I mean, I know he's an athlete. He probably loves to run, but he makes so many runs, which gives Willian and the defenders something to think about, and gives Willian the opportunity to either take him up on it or cut in the other way. And that's yes. that is so valuable. We're not a lazy side. We're not a side that just likes to play pretty football. We're actually a pretty hardworking side. Mm. And everything's done with a purpose. Like if you compare, like to like Crystal Palace, which was like. Crystal Palace was just trying to do anything that they possibly could and just wasn't it just wasn't working out for them. Whereas everything that we do is clearly thought out because it's and it's it's done with a really good intelligence. Ah, oh, just Marco Silva. Just yeah, just A plus for so Marco back, Silva. Back to what we were circling back to the previous conversation about signings. That is the signing of the last two years. Yeah, I agree. Well, I, I think to to sort of oversimplify what we're all saying, we're we're currently seventh in the league and we're playing like a team that should be seventh in the Premier League. Mm. We're zipping the ball around well. We're creating chances. Defensively, we're very tight and solid. Um, we're winning games that we should be winning. We're putting up good fights in games that we should be losing. So uh, it's it's all coming together perfectly. And, you know, I know Leicester aren't high up in the Premier League at the moment, but, you know, they've got some seriously good players in there. Harvey Barnes, Tillemans. Ozzy Perez, Vardy up front. Vardy was quiet all game long, and you know he's he's one of the best strikers in the Premier League. Um, they they did look a little bit shy at back. Um, Danny Ward's a half decent keeper though. He, to to get wins against teams of this quality is just showing the quality that we've got at the moment, which is which is great to see. And and you know we've got some pretty tough fixtures coming up where. If you look at the next four league games where we've got to play Chelsea, Newcastle, Chelsea, and Spurs, we yeah. a lot. I mean, at the start of the season, we'd be looking at that and going, no points, maybe a handful. Now we'd be looking at it and going, maybe we should be taking four, six points out of those games and actually, you know, pushing ourselves even closer to that magical 40 point mark. But the fact is, we're actually putting up a good challenge against these teams. So it, it's the benefit of all this. And, um, fingers crossed for for the rest of the season. But let, let's get back to the Leicester game anyway. And I, I think we closed out the first half very well. Um, but as we always say, Fulham needs that second goal to to be safe. Um, Dad, your, your thoughts on the second half and how Leicester sort of got themselves back into the game? Yeah, and I think that's the point. I don't think we were awful. Um, perhaps lacked a little bit of intensity at the start of the second half, but Leicester definitely came back into it. And I'd, and I'd actually characterise the change in the game as Leicester playing better rather than Fulham really definitely. suddenly becoming terrible. Yeah. 
Um, and, you know, uh, just one very, very good player uh, rising to his normal level of brilliance, and we're talking about Telemans, was enough, I think, to change the game. And he, he was in it all over the all over the ground and you know creating uh defending uh setting up a movement forward having shots at goal he he was an absolute handful mm. um but once again um i'm going to put it out there that the term fulhamish is very undeserving of this particular squad and this moment in time because we don't we don't sort of create those really stupid situations where we lose a game that we're well in and mm. and and should grind out a victory we're not doing that and um you know it's it's the apple crumble uh i i think we're 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 losing we're losing that yeah or have i spoken too soon no no i think i think you're right this isn't a fulhamish team anymore um we we i mean in it's saying so craven team in, well, in in saying that we did uh lose those games yeah, who'd ever call and, a, who'd ever call a podcast there <laughs> we did lose those games against man city and man united in a very fulhamish way where we really should have closed the games out and, and we dropped points and i did see someone say if we hadn't missed a couple of penalties and if we'd held on to those games against uh man united and man city uh fulham would actually be sitting fourth in the premier league at the moment um right, which just shows 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 where we're at at the moment what were you going to say sam oh i was going to say can we talk about it because um uh, i feel i feel i'm not speaking for you guys but i feel i'm going to get very close to the mic that mitrovic shouldn't be taking penalties anymore because i like andreas Pereira doing it more I still think Mitro takes penalties because oh, even if he misses wait. occasionally, as soon as Mitro scores, he gets so much confidence. He plays off confidence. And when he's putting the ball in the back of the net, he keeps putting the ball in the back of the net. I think you take him off penalties, and that's a stab through the heart for Mitro. Yeah, I, I agree. I, don't, I, I hear what you're saying, Sam, because he's, he's not, not good at penalties. the most reliable penalty taker, but you take that ball away from him, I think you damage him. You can break we just, him. Can we just distract him like a cat with like a light or something like that? We could be like, hey, Mitro, look over there. Don't no, and that's the joy of Mitro is that you cannot pull his eyes off the goal. Yeah. Um, I, I, anyway. I'd like, I, I would like, um, you know, what it needs is uh, Mitro to have rampant partners around him who are scoring a lot of goals in addition to Mitro, and then have, let him off the chain so that when he steps up to take a free kick, there's not as much pressure on him, and he can try and hit the side netting, which he's perfectly capable of doing. But I think he, I reckon he feels an awful lot of pressure to make that there when he, when he screws up a penalty, he doesn't kick the ball over the crossbar or miss the goal completely. He's always trying to be too safe. Mm, and he's yeah. better than that is but he's actually that looks to me like um yeah he, he's he's trying to be too certain about it there, why doesn't he is, just hoof it i never understand why he just doesn't just like smack it straight down you, the do, you do exactly what harry kane did at the world cup if you do that yeah, um yeah. there's a there's a great piece on twitter and i'll try and find it and and share it on our instagram or or our twitter um and it's a, a breakdown of mitro's penalty taking um and and shows where he's more successful and and basically analyzes what he should do differently um and, and he's actually been more successful recently he used to basically try and fake out the keeper and look look a different way and angle his body a certain way and score the other way he's changed his uh changed his tactic a little bit now and it's it's very different but look let's get back to the Leicester game because we've got to wrap it up fairly soon um before we talk about who I think was man of the match uh, let's just talk about that final chance missed by Harry Wilson, 91st minute. Sammy, I can see you umming and ahhing on the screen. Go on. No, like, so I, I love Wilson. And I, I, um, it's, 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 it's not as much with, um, Dan James, 
because I really I still believe in Wilson and I still believe he has something. And I oh, I just felt so sorry for him. My heart bled for him when he missed that because I feel that all he needs to do is maybe get like a goal or maybe like a goal or two just to like find himself again. Because I feel like he's really in a bit of a confidence block at the moment. And I really, really wanted that for him. And I thought he did a really, really brilliant um, run in to actually get there. It was, it was like, it was like prime Wilson again. And I, I think the keeper actually did quite well to essentially just um, reduce it. I think um, Wilson did the right thing by trying to like chip it. But ah, oh, my heart really bled for him, and I and I love Wilson. I think I think at, um his best. I think he is probably our best winger. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it like that. And I just I just really want him to get back to that because I really really like him. I feel like you're shaking your head already. I don't care, but like I I really I really like him. I really really like what he does, and I want the best from it. And it made me sad. It made me sad in my face. Yeah, sum up. We we briefly spoke about it after you finished watching the game. You sum guys are up. Say mean things. You're, no, you're very like you're very quick thought on why Wilson missed that one. Well, firstly, was that Tom Kearney who released him? It was. It was a great ball. For yeah, him. beautiful, be- beautiful ball. Uh, really good vision. Saw it early, and Wilson's. You know, he's pacey, and off he went. Two things happened for 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 me. Number one, his his last his second last touch was poor. It runs away from him, mm-hmm. and then he, he did what all one sided players do: <laughs> was so desperately try to find himself on his left foot, and it's more of a left footed thing than anything else. Yeah. And you know he could have dinked that over the keeper with his right foot from there, but of course he tried to get his body to the right side of the ball, and he didn't have enough time he, he and i think it wasn't so he could have pulled it off if that second that last but one touch was better you come back from an injury and try to pull this off he's finding himself and, I, and i'm with you i'm i'm totally with you i i would love harry wilson to score a goal or two because i think that would set him on fire uh and that would be so good for us and i felt sorry for him that he couldn't finish that off but we need to talk about leno how good was he Oh, he's great. He's great. Uh, I, I can't believe on, on the Premier League website, Mitro's been voted man of the match with 90% of the vote or 82% of the vote of, out of 30,000 votes and Leno only got 7%. I know Mitro scored the only goal of the game, but Leno, if it wasn't for Leno, we would have lost that game uh, probably 3-1 three, three, maybe. He oh, made yeah. some outstanding saves. He was superb. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that's very harsh. And um, he, he was incredible. Not not just the number of saves he made, but they were goals. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, no, he 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 was definitely the difference. Uh, and Mitro, obviously, a brilliant goal from him. But Leno, for me, man of the match, hands down. Um, the the one talking point to come out of the end of the game, I guess, is the fact that Mitro's picked up a yellow card. He'll be suspended for the Chelsea game, um, which is disappointing. But we obviously saw Vinicius score against West Ham just before we came back from the World Cup break. So hopefully he's got a bit of confidence. He's got a few minutes in that Palace game as well. So there's the potential for him. I've also seen some people talking about maybe Decadova Reed starting up front, maybe uh, Mano Solomon starting up front. Uh, could be interesting to see how we go with the lineup there, but that'll definitely be something to talk about um, next time we pod. Uh, obviously the next game for us, though, is Hull this weekend in the FA Cup. Guys, just very, very shortly, do you want an FA Cup run or would you rather us focus on the league and put out a reserves team? Nah, focus on the league. I don't care. I actually don't care. I wish I did, but I don't. Dad? Yeah, no, I think I think our focus is to maintain this position and lock lock in the top, top table uh, position uh, through to the back end of the season. I yeah. want to go to Europe. I want us to go to Europe and I believe... I have to agree. I'd like to see Luke Harris get a run out, a couple of the other youth players, Chuck Rodak in goal, um, you know, maybe give Kazawa and Mbabu some minutes. In, in, in fact, I, I reckon he should. they should play Vinicius on Saturday. Uh, if that's Yeah, I, I agree. They're, and they probably will because he's going to be required in that. Yeah, they should um, play him. In that Chelsea game as well. So maybe he gets a goal against Hull and, yeah, we'll see. So, 
Look, guys, thank you very much. As I said, I've got to shoot off and do a thousand other things, but um, it's been great to catch up again. We'll you know, try and get back to more regular potting, although I think with a baby during the next couple of weeks, it might be a bit tough, but you guys can take the reins for sure. Yeah, sure. I like <laughs> our chaotic podcast. I don't know what's happening when I host. <laughs> so, um, Dad, thanks very much for your time. Yeah, great. Enjoyed it. And Sammy, thank you. Yeah, it's always good to be here. And... Come on, you whites. <laughs> <laughs>